Hello, everyone. Hello. This is Hope for Today, the podcast where we study the scriptures to find hope for today. Our theme verse is Romans 15 and verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Okay, so this is the small talk section. Hello, April. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm okay. You're okay. We got new. uh, Uh, We got new mugs, coffee mugs for the church. We did. They just came in. They look very sharp. Gorgeous. They've got uh, the cork bottoms. The cork bottoms, Mm -hmm. so you don't leave a ring on the table. Classy black. Classy black. Yeah. Yeah. Gotten gotten some good feedback on those who have seen them. Yeah, for sure. Message for orders, please. Yeah. <laughs> Within Canada. Yep. We uh trying to get off our uh, vacation binge. Yeah. We went away last week, trying to get back into the swing of things. I don't usually get sunburn. Our swing is going very slow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't usually get sunburned, but um, I got I got pretty sunburned. Yes, you did. I usually get sunshine in small doses here in Canada. I feel it's usually me, but I had a large sun hat on, so I was completely safe. Yeah. <laughs> Came back with some bug bites, mild ear infections. <laughs> sand, sand flea bites. <laughs> sand in every crevice of our car. Yeah. I'm drinking the bubbly drinks. That we had with us in all of the, that first sip on every one. <laughs> even if I rinse it off, even if I rinse it off the top of the can, that first gritty. sip has got sand in that first drink. Yeah. Well, so, well there's new vitamins in that, but. It's a sign, sign of a good time, I guess. <laughs> Crunchy sand. Yeah. A high power vacuum. We have armor all wiped as much as we can. Yep. Oh my goodness. So half awake most days. Agreed. <laughs> Maybe a few more days, we'll get back to normal. Vacations are funny because you go away for rest and you come back... Tired. Probably more tired. I need a rest for my rest. Yeah. Yes, for sure. We're getting there. Okay, so we're going to jump into the topic. We're going to continue our um, conversation on suicide and depression. And we're just going to talk about kind of a simple little formula... For us to be able to um, kind of avoid, avoid the, to the best of our ability those feelings of suicide and depression. So this is more of like a maintenance, mm-hmm. a maintenance template or a maintenance schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and we find it in scripture. We find it in the book that we've been looking at together, Hope Always. Written by Matthew Sleeth. I recommend this book. Um, give it a read. Ma- uh, once again, it's called Hope Always. And so uh, he talks about this formula in his book, but also uh, it's found in Scripture. Mm-hmm. So we're going to look at, um, as our theme verse talks about how through uh, patience and comfort of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And so we're going to learn from Scripture how to have hope in the face of 
suicide and depression. What did he say this was the formula for? It's like a formula to kind of identify the stimulus. Okay. That a lot that that kind of pushes us into making bad decisions. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen it here. It's on, it says even God's best can despair. Yes. So basically, if you're not careful when you're undergoing these things we're about to talk about, you can kind of get you into a, a, a sense of despair yep. when it's really more outward or uh, inward. And the things we're going to talk about, they're more based on that than they are the factuality yes. of your life being terrible. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm, with, I'm with you. Okay. So we're taking our Bible story from 1 Kings chapter 19 now. Um, 17, 18, and 19 are kind of all one continuous story. It starts with a man named Elijah. He was a prophet. Um, and God, uh, the nation of Israel was not on the right path and God used prophets to bring, um, his word and, um, he gave them a message that, um, if they would turn away from their sin, then they would receive blessing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they would not always follow just the message, the word. And so then there would be consequences that would accompany mm-hmm. that. And so Elijah was used to pray so that for three and a half years, there was a drought. It didn't rain for three and a half years. And this caused a lot of problems. Sure. Um and so the king, King Ahab, and his wife Jezebel, they were very angry okay. at Elijah. And they, they called him the one who troubled Israel. Mm-hmm. Like it was his fault. They're mm-hmm. blaming yeah, yeah. the prophet. They're blaming the man of God for the, for the problems. Where in reality, God sin? has a responsibility as the judge of the universe to mm-hmm. judge us for our sin. It's not free. Yeah. Right? The wages of sin is death. And they didn't try to make it right. And they didn't try to make it right with God. Right? So... We, we do have the liberty to choose our own path, but we don't have the liberty to choose the consequences yeah. of that path. Well, no matter how mad you get at the person telling you that's what the consequence is, right. it doesn't change it. Well, and then I find a lot of times people, they actually just get mad with God. Like they get yeah. mad at yeah. God for not... Forgiving consequences. Forgiving consequences for their choices. Yeah. And, but consequences are really God's love. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like if we did not... If we did not um, yeah. warn our children, mm-hmm. and if we did not impress upon them the seriousness yeah. of sprinting towards the busy street, and we just let them do it, yeah. right, then that would be really bad parenting, and it would result in them getting hurt. Well, it's like being mad at a guardrail. Sure. It's like the guardrail is there to keep you from plummeting off the end. Yeah. And it hurts when you run into it, but it's not as much as diving. Right. Thousands of feet. So I think that even in that sense, even though that's not really kind of what we're focusing on, I think that sometimes when we talk about mental health, thoughts of suicide and depression, we really do need to ask ourselves, mm-hmm. what what kind of choices have I been making in my life? Are they, are they choices of obedience? Yeah. Are they choices of... Faith or are they choices of disobedience and doubt? Well, and how stubborn am I being about maintaining them? Right. Yeah. So, um, because I mean, we've all been there for some reason or another where you've got in your mind how things should go. Yeah. And even though it's crumbling, yeah. 
you're still going to fight for it. Sure. And it's not until you surrender to the Lord and say, whatever, <laughs> you can have it. I'll stop fighting for it. Yep. That peace comes. And sadly, sometimes we fight so hard to not humble ourselves. Yeah. It's true. Yep. So they have a showdown. The, uh, the prophet Elijah okay. has a showdown with King Ahab. Mm-hmm. And they have, they build, a sa- they build an altar. They have a sacrifice on the altar. Again, this is Old Testament. So they have a sacrifice on the altar. The religion of the, that the children of Israel had chosen was Baal worship, which mm-hmm. is a, a very, very shocking pagan religion. Okay. That is most pastors when when we study the realities of Baal worship cannot in good conscience get up and truly describe what happens in a public setting mm. because it is that vile, vile mm. and just absolutely we don't want to put any type of images into people's minds. Mm. So just keep in mind uh, you can look it up on your own listeners if you want to, but I warn you, it's shocking. Um, so it wasn't just this other kind of peaceful religion and whatever. I mean, that's such a lie from the devil. But anyway, uh, so they give the prophets of Baal an opportunity to pray to Baal, mm. to their God, to send down fire from heaven. And they pray all day long and it and it doesn't work. Um, and now, they, Why are they having this showdown? Because they're basically trying to, so for three and a half years, it hasn't rained. Right. And they're, they're, the consequences are for the purpose of repentance. Right. To change your mind and change your heart. Right. God gets no pleasure out of consequences. Sure. The purpose of it is to do just enough right. to get you to change your mind to get back on the path right. of obedience. And so this is kind of a showdown. It's an opportunity to prove it wasn't just the it wasn't just the rain that was it wasn't raining for three and a half years. God's also saying, "Hey, prove me. I will prove to you that I am the true God." Yeah. And He also, by the way, oftentimes because we can see here where you know they had an opportunity for their way to be proven, yeah. and I think sometimes we sink deeper into our hopelessness because God does give us an opportunity for, for us to see whether our own way will work out Well, and And it doesn't work out. I've seen it so many times when you are witnessing to somebody, they may be mildly religious, yeah, but as they increase in interest and as you increase in witnessing, they'll become more religious. Yep. I've seen it many times. And God gives people that it's a, it's really interesting and amazing that he's like, okay, try it. Mm-hmm. Try your way. See if you can get hope mm-hmm. in doing things your way. See if you can get peace mm-hmm. and joy in doing things your way. And we are like these prophets of Baal, man. We will give it all that we've got. It even describes them as le- leaping on top of the altar, cutting themselves with knives so that though it doesn't rain from heaven, the, the the sacrifice on the altar was wet with their blood. And it's like, we are that stubborn about our own ways yeah. where we will... How far will you go to not humble? Self-destructive yeah. in trying to prove that our way is, is right. Yeah. 
So then Elijah, when it's his turn. So it's not a new thing. No, it's not a new thing. <laughs> to fight against the humility. To fight against the humility. Yeah. I'm thinking of somebody right now who's, you can see consequences occurring in their life. And it appears, you know, that they're not quite ready to admit that their way is not, mm-hmm. is not God's, God's way. Mm-hmm. And they're not quite yet willing to admit that God is right. Mm-hmm. And oh, the peace and joy when you come to that place in your life where you just, as you said, surrender to the Lordship of Christ and just mm-hmm. say, you know what? I'm just going to decide to live a lifestyle by God's grace where God is right. Yeah. Like you look at the, like just visibly you look at the two, like you're saying dancing and bleeding and like if you just look at the two prophets. Yeah. yeah. And the other one's just, you know, intently, calmly asking God. He very slowly rebuilt the altar it describes. Yeah. He repaired the altar, which there's such an incredible truth in that statement as well. Mm-hmm. In that when we come back to God, we need to go back mm-hmm. to what is shattered mm-hmm. and be willing to feel. repair it according to God's instructions and say, this relationship is shattered. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we get so upset at God that when we come to God and we pray, he doesn't magically fix it. He, he yeah. wants us to he repair it. He didn't like magically make a new altar. No. Right? So he repaired the altar. He fixed, he put a new sacrifice on the altar. And then he does something incredible. He digs this big ditch mm-hmm. all the way around and he calls for water. Mm-hmm. And he calls for the sacrifice to be soaked in water. And he asks that to be done three different times so that the, the sacrifice is soaked mm-hmm. in water and the trench is filled with water. Water's running everywhere. And it's mm-hmm. like, how often God will, at when we are at the end of our efforts mm-hmm. and we give up on our efforts, it still seems like the situation through our efforts of trying to rebuild it gets more and more and more impossible. Yeah. It's like, God, I've given up. Why doesn't this turn around? Mm-hmm. And God's like, no, no, it's not quite ready yet for, <laughs> for, 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 it's not quite ready yet for, for you to fully, I I want you to really see. And by the way, isn't this amazing too? They're in the middle of a three and a half year drought. Where'd they get the water from? Yeah. But I mean, he's like, get the water. Yeah. It's like, look, when, when you're about to call on God for it to rain, you don't need to stress about the barrels of water. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But I need barrels. I need the safety of the barrels. Man, there's a whole sermon in that. The safety of the barrels of water. And, and we are just talking about, before we started, about preparing for the rain in our lives and in our ministry. And I mean, like, you just listen to this story and it's like, wow. Talk about, you know. He believed with every part of his being that it was going to happen. Yeah. You know. And just walking in faith that God is going to work. Yeah. And he prayed a very short, simple prayer and fire, a fireball from heaven Mm -hmm. came, flew down right on top of the sacrifice. It consumed the sacrifice, Mm -hmm. 
the water, mm. and the altar. <laughs> it burned up the stones. Wow. Completely, right in the front of everybody, they Mul- watched this. Multi-miracle. Multi-miracle. Yeah. You know, and I'm, you know, skepticism would say, oh, you know, it was a, a meteor or whatever. And it's like. Who cares? Well, maybe like, it was, but the was. thing is, is that who sent that incredible yeah. meteor to that, to that exact, spot. exact spot at that exact moment? Yeah. And, um. God makes meteors, you know. God makes, yeah, I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> so it doesn't discredit anything. Incredible aim. Yeah. You know. For sure. So everybody falls on their face and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. That's right. Sacred. They had a heart of repentance. Yeah. And they, uh, again, Old Testament justice. They killed all the prophets, the Old Testament prophets. Of course, New Testament age, we don't kill people when they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but Old Testament, right, um, for that particular time period. So anyway, that just happened. This huge victory just happened. Three and a half years. Not only that, he goes to the top of the mountain and prays. Yeah. And then a rain, a big rain comes. So finally, it's the end of all of this. It's after that. Yeah. Finally, that feeling of, okay, it's going to get easier now. It's going to get easier now. It's after all of this huge expenditure of faith and energy, the wait is finally over. Yeah. Uh, that Elijah experiences severe depression and suicidal thoughts. Mm. And I think that... And man, isn't that true? Like, yeah. It always seems like the valley comes so fast after the the mountain mm-hmm. yeah and i think sometimes we can we can it's shocking to experience those feelings of hopelessness and doubt and fear and depression uh right after that big victory because you think well you know i've i've, I've achieved the, the, this great victory god came through for me but you can mistake that for, like, I've achieved, you know, I'm going to stay here. Yeah. I don't, it's going to be easy from now on. Right. I'm going to ride this wave. So in chapter 19, we see that uh, apparently Ahab was the king, Jezebel was the queen. She must not have been there okay. at this event. Okay. Because it says in chapter 19, verse 1, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. So then she comes out with this big threat. She's like, I'm going to kill you the same way you killed all those prophets. Well, this one threat from this one woman. Powerful woman. Powerful. She's a queen and she was evil and wicked. I mean, her name is synonymous with that. Um, and, uh, and she was from the hometown where Baal worship originated. Okay. And her dad was like one of the leaders over there. She, she took it personal. She took it very personally. So it says um, that she's going to kill him. And so verse 3, when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. So he ran. Yeah. And he, it says, and he left his servant there. So he's, he's by himself. And verse 4, he, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. So here he is because of this threat. After this huge victory, he gets this threat. He runs away. From, his, from where his victory was, he leaves his servant, and then he goes an even farther away. He's choosing, isn't it weird? He's choosing loneliness. Yeah. He's choosing to be alone. Well, 
it's like encouraging in a way because like two seconds ago, he's like this huge man of faith. He's not afraid of the prophets. He's not afraid of Ahab being mad at him. Yeah. But right after that, he's filled and terrified yeah. of fear of her, you know? And so it, it's just reassuring that he's human. He's human. Like we're human and we have great faith some days and not other days. Yep. Many a sermon has been preached on verse number four. Uh, it says he went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die mm. and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my father's. So he's, again, you can see the negativity on a spirit when you're by yourself mm-hmm. of comparison. Mm-hmm. He's comparing himself to his ancestors, to, to those who great people of faith before him, um, which would have been King David, would have been King Solomon, would have been Samuel the prophet. I mean, there's a long list of people that are Moses, yeah. you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Um. But he's not, he's thinking suicidal thoughts, but he's requesting, he's praying, God, just just let me die. Just kill me. Yeah. Which to me, it just makes me think of like hope deferred. The verse says hope deferred make it the heart sick. And I think sometimes some of your lowest moments are not necessarily because you had a mountain and then a valley, but because you've been under this stress, you've been under this burden of doing something you feel like the Lord wants you to do. You know it's hard. You know it's challenging. But in your mind, there's a finish line. Mm -hmm. And when that finish line moves, it is challenging. Yeah. And there are times in life where you're like, God, how much are you going to ask? Yeah. You know? And you can, I think, see that he was feeling that way. I think the point that we're trying to make with this particular podcast episode is... You need to know when you're empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had just completely emptied himself yeah. into this one event. He prayed and fire fell. He stood up face to face with his enemies who had been looking for him for three and a half years. He'd been hiding from King Ahab. Yeah. And he's standing there face to face with them. Yeah. He's courageously standing up in front of them. Yeah. He calls down fire from heaven. Then he calls down rain from heaven. He's empty. He's absolutely empty. And when he's empty, he chooses loneliness and he drops into, he drops into the, he drops into despair and his mind goes towards comparison. Because that's, I mean, like the times I'm I'm thinking about, thinking about is the same. It's like when you get to that point where you're like, God, how much are you going to ask? You are, for me, I was reminded that I had been running on empty. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a daily, you know, Lord help me. I, I trust you. Give me grace for this, but more, I know what I should do mm-hmm. and I'm just going to keep motoring. Yeah. And you just get more empty and more empty because you're drawing off yourself. Yeah. And I think it's like you, we, we need to make sure we don't expect of ourself to be able to operate at that same peak performance. Uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about professional runners. 
and they were saying that professional runners train much more obviously than amateur runners do mm-hmm. like olympic runners professional people who are paid to run professionally right but they were saying that basically they prepare for this race and so they they're right at like 80 percent or even 90 percent of what their body can i mean like they're training yeah, yeah. so intense and so long and then they drop off they call it uh they peak basically and then they um they have like a uh a week where they kind of just rest a bit right and then they come back up to the competition and they peak at the competition but then they said they cannot they they're basically training at a pace mm-hmm. that will enable them to finish the race really really well mm-hmm. but it is not a sustainable pace just for living life and being a professional runner and i think that we need to understand that in life sometimes god puts things upon us and he does want to stretch us but we don't need to think that I have to always perform at the highest level all the time. Well, and I think while God requires faith of us at all times, he is, he is usually, he is gracious in the fact that, I mean, sometimes I feel like the physical and mental strain we put ourselves under sometimes is not under him. Yeah. It's under ourselves. Yeah. And a strain that we put on ourselves. Right. So, so the uh, little acronym that we get from the book is HALT, H-A-L-T, and I will uh, say this several times, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. So hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. We can already see the lonely one with him because he is... By himself, he left his servant. He went a day's journey into the wilderness. We can see he's angry. Um, we see that in verse number 10 where it says, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, but the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Mm-hmm. So he's angry, he's lonely, he's tired and hungry. When he says, we already talked about it before, but when he says, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, arise and eat. Mm -hmm. And he looked and behold, there was a cake bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. Needed eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and he ate that meal again. So he, he slept a long time. The angel came and brought him food. He slept again and then he ate more food. And then he ended up going on, but he's still angry. So these are triggers yeah. in our life. Yeah. And we can see that in scripture as well where... And you can tell where God cared for those things. He God cared for those things. Ignore those things, and you can walk without those things. And yeah. So we need to understand that when we're dealing with the topic of depression and suicide, most of the time, if we're dealing with one of these things severely, severely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's there's top there's stories of people who. From sleep deprivation. Yeah. 
I mean, it has a real effect on your mind. It does. Like, not good. Right. <laughs> I mean, beyond like, oh, I can't think straight, but like, really causes psychological effects. It does. Yeah. And it can make you feel, I mean, they say that I can, I'm not, this is just purely off the top of my head. Um, but like sleep deprivation can have the same effect on your mind as a degree of uh, drug usage mm. where you're not thinking straight. You're not, your emotions are completely out of whack. Yeah. And I, you know, it's like if we are, we haven't even talked about alcohol and, and substance abuse. That's a separate yeah. thing. But, you know, it's like if you're depressed, maybe now's not the best time to go on that starve yourself to death diet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, well, if I was skinnier, if I was prettier, if I was more handsome, if I was more buff, then then my life would be different. And it's like, well, there's a there's a healthy way of taking care of those things. Yeah. It's not overnight. Mm -hmm. So let's not starve ourselves. they're not the source of our self-confidence. No. And we've had many times where, where you've said, we're not having this conversation until I've eaten. That's true. So many times. So many times. Because, I mean, the thing is, is like, we need to know ourselves. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, a matter of fact, this happened the other day. I was faced with making a phone call mm -hmm. that could potentially be a little bumpy. Yeah. <laughs> but it was 1230. And I'm thinking, I'm going to make this phone call and then I'm going to eat lunch. <laughs> It's like, whoa, wait, hold on. Hungry is one of those triggers. Yeah. This would probably go a lot better for me. Yeah. If I ate first, gave myself a second for my lunch to digest, and then we're going to jump in to the potentially contentious situation. Well, and you can see if you, if you ignore this, yeah. how not only can it cause despair, but it can cause a, a domino effect yeah. in things in your life. I mean, like you're saying, if you had done that and yeah. that had gone poorly, right? damaged relationships, damaged business things, whatever, that could have, you know, that, that doesn't make you feel better. No. That doesn't help your thoughts of despair mm -hmm. and that life has hope. Right. Or, you know, if you're angry and you, I mean, we've all got times where you know I am too angry yeah. to talk to this person right now. And something they taught us in marriage counseling was... We need to communicate and we have disagreements, but the point should always be restitution. Yeah. The point of an argument is not to beat the other person up. Right. The point of an argument is not to, to win. To win yeah. or to thoroughly express your anger. Yep. And so it's like if I'm not in a mind to rest to make restitution, I shouldn't I probably shouldn't talk to someone. Yeah. It's like I'm gonna give myself a minute, you know, it's like, hey, I'm gonna take a walk around the block. I'm not running away from this. Yeah. I'm just going to give myself a second to calm down. Yeah. And I would like to deal with this calmly. Yeah. You know? Um, because if you don't, it only makes it worse. It only makes it worse. It also means I'm not going to make life-changing. Uh, our favorite youth pastor, Joe Tar, used to always say, don't make decisions when your decision maker is broken. Mm -hmm. Right? My decision maker is broken when I'm really hungry. Yeah. My decision maker is broken when I'm really angry. My decision maker is broken when I'm really lonely. Mm -hmm. And when I'm really tired. <laughs> and if I'm all, all of those that? things, man, you better watch out. Watch out. Yeah. Right? And it makes me feel good to know, hey, you know, I mean, you even look at like the example of Christ. 
not to turn to this one in the Bible, but it's like in the in the in Gethsemane, he's about to do he's about to go and die on the cross. He's about to get betrayed. He's about to die on the cross. Mm-hmm. Right? He's sweating great drops of blood. He's by himself. He's not angry, but he's being faced with this enormous decision. Yeah. You know, I mean, on the cross, he said, I thirst. I mean, you can just see he's been up for hours and hours and hours and hours. It's just like we need to understand the effects on our emotions and our human. Well, and how many times have we had conversations? And if you're worked up about something. Yeah. Through any of these reasons. You can you just see every situation through a different lens. Mm-hmm. And there's been many times where we've had a conversation, thoroughly hashed something out. We're like, Here we go. this is what we're going to do. And we're going to do that and do this and completely feel justified. Sleep on it. Chill out. Yep. Take a step. Take a breath. And come back to the same situation a day later and be like, well, <laughs> I probably don't need to do all those things. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yep. It's like, take a step back. It's like, is it really, is it really going to cost you? I mean, like what uh, the temptation is I have to deal with this now. Yeah. It's like, do you really, Mm -hmm. even if that person is begging you to deal with it now, couldn't you easily say, this is really important to me. I'd love to make an appointment to talk to you tomorrow about this. Well, I think there's a struggle there because like, I think there's something in us that feels like there's an importance to dealing with mm-hmm. whatever that issue is right there. And I don't know if it's like because you're trying to vent out mm. what it is you're feeling. Or maybe I was just reading in the book when he's talking about this chapter and he was he's a doctor. Yeah. And so he's basically saying at the end of his shift, he couldn't make good decisions anymore. Yeah. And basically people would come to him with medical questions. And yeah. he had to learn to say, not now. Yeah. But obviously you could see in that situation where he would think, no, this is important. This is a medical question. Somebody needs me. I need to make this decision. And I think that for multiple reasons, there can be just this pressure that I have to do this right now. Mm -hmm. Instead of realizing I need to take care of my mental, spiritual, and emotional health Mm -hmm. and make sure I'm in a good place to make that call. Yeah, and I think it's good to make sure, you know, for the listeners, as a pastor, when your pastor says, we come up to him after service and say, I want to talk to you about this or that. It's like, if it's really simple and they can deal with it right then, that's fine. But if they say, if they say, let's make an appointment, let's meet together this week, don't get upset with them because they're trying to give you the best they have. It is very difficult to explain to someone who hasn't done it, how incredibly draining it is emotionally and physically and spiritually to lead a service and to preach on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's something that your pastor labors over night and day all week long. And it takes that much preparation mm-hmm. And then on that, in that two or three hours, however many times they speak on Sunday, they empty it all out. Mm -hmm. So you will get the best, Mm -hmm. most level-headed, spiritually powerful advice when your pastor says, let's meet this week and talk about that thing versus trying to force Mm -hmm. him. It's not neglect. It's not neglect. It doesn't mean it's not important. And it's not disinterest. Right. 
It means he's wanting to to truly give you the very best, yeah. you know, that, that they have to offer. And as a leader, I think that's good advice for people that you may be leading as well. Yeah. You know? So, and let's just touch on this and then we'll finish up. Being a parent. Yeah. Parenting. Like, knowing oh, these I didn't things. Know, I didn't know what my trigger was until you put it in that light. <laughs> yeah. But tired is definitely it. Yeah. After bedtime. Yeah. The uh, lightsabers want to come out. They want to come out. Right? So, I think that, you know, if we're going to have big talks with our kids. If, we, if our kids need to be, if our kids are disobeying and they need to be corrected, mm-hmm. it's better to do that while we're not hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Well, Let's go eat a snack, <laughs> calm down, wait 15 minutes. And again, you feel like that's something's weighing and needs to be dealt with right then. But there's so many times if you can see it in your spouse because you can always see it in yourself until later. Yeah. But it's like, that situation isn't that intense. That person's struggling with some em- emotional things at the moment. Mm. And so just to be able to be like, okay, child, you probably need to get into another room. Yeah. <laughs> and... I may need to deal with you, but I want to deal with it properly when I have calmed down. One of the things I really enjoyed in the book also was that the author mentioned he taught his children Mm. these points so that they could learn good self-discipline and so that they can prevent from slipping into depression and suicidal thoughts. And hasty, hasty mistakes and decisions. Yes. Yeah. Which, you know, you have to teach them because we were just this week we were laughing because our daughter does not know when she's hungry. Yeah. <laughs> she would, she could be like curled up in a ball in agony and still not realize that means she needs to put food in her mouth. So let's just use an extreme example. It's like if somebody's in the habit of constantly making decisions when they're angry mm-hmm. or constantly making decisions when they're angry and hungry, right? And your three years or your five years or your 10 years into that, and you're also struggling with drinking alcohol or drug usage. The effect that's going to have on your relationships. Yeah, not good. Right? It's like you are really going to struggle with depression and potentially suicidal thoughts. What's the, where's the hope? Well, it's a snowball effect. It's a snowball effect. So if we attack these simple things, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired... And say, I'm not going to make decisions when I'm this. That will begin to have a redemptive effect on your life. Because it's like, well, I'm I'm hungry and angry and I need my alcohol and drugs in order to deal with that. But then you end up being an even worse person to to those relationships in your life. Yeah. It's like we need to view these things as different challenges. Get help for the alcoholism and the drug use. But these hungry, angry, lonely, tired, I mean, we, these are, these are powerful triggers. Well, and I think learning these triggers, there's got to be a healthy way to deal with them. Yeah. These triggers shouldn't lead us to more addictive behaviors. Sure. And hurtful behaviors. Right. So one of the ways of dealing with it for hungry, carry snacks. There you go. I mean, I've got cliff bars everywhere. You're great at, I am terrible. I, I mean, I'm, I still make mistakes, but I try to always have cliff Bars around just because a couple of bites. And of every pocket of everything he owns. Yes. 
Angry, I think it's obviously working on your anger, but just realizing I'm not going to make this decision. I'm not going to say this thing right now because I am wound up about something. Well, that, I think it helps me, especially as a parent, to think about that verse, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Yes. And I think sometimes we think, well, especially if you're a non-confrontational person, I feel like you can tend to be like, well, I know I won't say anything mm-hmm. unless I'm really angry. Yeah. And I think there's multiple ways of dealing with that. Either you really don't need to say it or you need to learn to deal with confrontation in a healthy way. Right. Where you do deal with situations, but you don't wait till you're at that point. Yeah. So. What about lonely? I mean, I think it's so important to make time for good, healthy, building relationships. Yeah. I think sometimes people do not make time for people for people in their life. Virtual to doesn't them. count. No. Or I, I, you hear so much, I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you could have people asking you, like, good people you know would build you, you know would make you stronger. No. Asking you. Yeah. To do things. And you're like, I don't have time. It's like something you've got time to be depressed, right? You've got time to be suicidal. You've got time to, you know, make really, really bad choices because you're lonely. It's like, if you're too busy to build good relationships, you're too busy. You're too busy. Yeah. And sometimes the loneliness is in your head. Yeah. Like sometimes you can be surrounded by a ton of people and it's in your head. I find, too, that if you're surrounded by a lot of people and you have good relationships, but you don't have a healthy relationship with the Lord, that is the foundation for making those other relationships truly satiating. And I'll tell you, if you are going into every relationship with what you can get out of it, you are going to be lonely. Of course. Because there's nothing that can fill that cup. Yep. That's a great point. But if you go into that with, I'm here... See, I mean, something that we learned in high school, we had some leadership training at our Christian school, and it was basically like, if you go into a relationship like Jonathan did with David, yeah, where I'm here to help you, I'm here to build you, and to really open your eyes and realize when I feel lonely, that should be a trigger for me to realize there's other people out there that feel that same yeah, way. Yeah, that's great. And for me to look, when you look for that in someone else and you try to meet that need, it will be met in yours. Of course. But if you are constantly like, oh, I'm so lonely and no one cares about me and I'm going to go eat worms, you know, you will never be happy. Sure. There doesn't matter. I mean, if you are looking for someone to fill that cup for you, it will not be filled. Find that person that doesn't fit in. Yeah. Find that ugly duckling in the corner. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, man, how's it going? You know? Yeah. Uh, What's your name? That just, kind of thing. Just like a normal person sometimes. <laughs> sure. No, for sure. That just no, needs a friend. No, for sure. Just needs you know? a friend and just be, I mean, don't be creepy. No, but there's fulfillment in, in thinking of others. Thinking of others. I mean, the Bible says that he that hath friends must show himself friendly. Yeah. And tired, um, I know for me, it's just really important that I order my life yeah. by good priorities. Um, that could be a million things. Mm-hmm. but we were talking about bedtime. It's like for me in the winter in Canada, if I don't take my vitamins, I am mm. a zombie. Yeah. Like I just cannot keep up with life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, starting from like 5 PM, just the, I'm like Baymax. Yeah. <laughs> when he starts slurring his words. Yeah. 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 Cause he's not been, on he the, hasn't been charged. He's not been charged. And that is me. And I am not fun to be around and I don't have the energy and I don't have the strength to be 
and helpful to anyone. And so sometimes it's just ordering your life. And I think sometimes we can have really unhealthy habits when it comes to our sleep. That's true. Um, when it comes to devices. Minimum eight hours. Minimum. I mean, like for me, I feel like it's nine. <laughs> and I mean, so. And some people are like, oh, that's too much. I don't have time for that. It's like we have hours to binge watch. Yeah. Endless binge watching. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. On your favorite show. Yeah. Or shows. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you see it in children. You see it. I mean, we all, I mean, as mothers and sometimes fathers, it's like when your child's a baby and they're up every two hours, you see how that affects you yeah, and your ability to cope with life. Yeah. And so it's like, it's just making it, you know, a priority to care for your sleep. Yeah. It's good. Okay. Well, we'll stop there. Hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. The most important thing is to know for sure that you're saved. Christ died on the cross for us so that we can have hope Mm -hmm. and not just a religious feeling, but when he rose from the dead, he gives us the gift of forgiveness. He gives us the gift of real hope. So if you have any questions about that, I encourage you to reach out to us. We have materials that we can send you for free. We can point you towards materials that will help you understand that if you're in the Toronto area Please consider coming to Sparrow Baptist Church of Toronto. We're down on Jane and Bloor. You can find us on Google Maps, and we have a website as well. We'll be having an Easter service, April 17th. Easter service, April 17th. Come out and join us at 11. And we uh, pray for you guys and hope you have a great week. And we'll talk to you in the next episode.